Hi, my name is Christy, and this podcast is my pursuit to glean practical wisdom on femininity, homemaking, finances, and relationships from the God-fearing women in my life. Hope you enjoy this journey with me as we learn to smile at the future. Now let's dive right in. Hi, ladies. Today we are going to be exploring the topic of vocational work and how we should think about it as Christian single women. Our guest today is Mrs. Logan Carr, and Logan has worked as a professional for 50 years and gained acclaim on Broadway and beyond. Her theatrical energy will have you smiling, but it is her wisdom from God's word that I hope will stick with you after this episode is over. And if you have a topic that you would like to hear addressed on this podcast, please send me an email at smilingatthefuturepodcast at gmail.com. And now here is our conversation. Logan, it is an honor and a joy to have you jump on this podcast and to share your knowledge and wisdom with the ladies listening. And so I would love for you to just introduce yourself and share any tidbits about your life that you would like listeners to know. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. And I just, uh, I know we're going to be talking about kind of work and balancing, you know, homemaking and careers and all that stuff. And so I just thought maybe it would be interesting to know my background because I was raised by a single mother. and. You know, I was raised at a time when you, well, you really had to work hard. And because my mother was single and she was really working hard to provide for us because we didn't have much help from my father, um, she taught us to work really hard. So, I mean, I've been working for 50 years and it was just something that is in me. In fact, I now am 65 years old and for the first time, I'm actually not working. So. I'm kind of stunned. <laughs> I go, wow, this is really strange. <laughs> but, oh, long overdue rest. <laughs> yeah. And so it was just a different kind of life. It was a different society. And I think because I came from a broken home, a, a divorce happened when I was nine years old, uh, that I don't think I, I was afraid to want to be married. I was afraid, so I didn't think about it. I just pursued my career because that was safer. And I did. I was on Broadway. And I, I really, the Lord, I did not know the Lord at the time. The Lord gave me wonderful opportunities. I've, I've done command performances for presidents. You know, I've done lots of Broadway shows and produced and directed and then worked for Dick Clark Productions for years. I mean, you know, just on and on and on because I didn't really, that that's all I knew to do. And then I get to saved. I'm saved when I'm like 35 which is kind of old. At least I thought at the time it was old. But now that I'm old, I look back and I go, wow, you're so young. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is perspective. But I never heard about the teaching, you know, of the the design for women and men and how how God designed us differently for different responsibilities and callings and for us to be home. And I thought, oh, I would love to be home. Oh, that would be amazing. (laughs) So... So anyway, I come at this whole thing, this whole conversation that we'll have from from kind of a different perspective, because I did come to the Lord late, but I just loved the teaching and I loved that women were to be home. And I just thought that was so wonderful. That's how my mother started, you know, 
But you never know what happens. You never know what's around the corner of your life. And you never know what's happening. I had a friend who was a Christian and she married, which who she thought was a Christian. She had two kids. And the next thing she knows, he leaves and she's alone with two kids. And she didn't have any skills. She didn't go to college. And she taught herself how to do nails and opened up like a little salon to feed her children. You know, so it's like you never know what's coming. So you just have to be ready for everything. So anyway, just that's a little tiny bit of background in my life. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that. I think when this topic comes up, when I'm talking with friends, you know, a lot of us do desire marriage, desire to be homemakers, want to be developing those skills, but we also have to work and we have to provide for ourselves and pay our bills and pay rent. And so we're kind of looking at these two futures, I guess, you know, where we're trying to prepare for both and trying to figure out how do you balance preparing to be a homemaker and preparing to, you know, if God doesn't have marriage down your path to provide for your own needs. Is that something that you want to speak to at all? Yeah, well, it's a, it's very interesting because now, I mean, young people are really waiting a long time to get married. You know, they're not like jumping out of high school at 18 and getting married. And, you know, even 18, 20 years old, that's like almost unheard of. Some people are, but, you know, it's really rare. They're waiting in their 30s and everything. And I was thankful I didn't get married until I was saved. So, you know, I was 40 when I got married, which, again, seems like I was old. But now it seems like I was. (laughs) (laughs) But you do have to prepare for both of them at the same time. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I learned to cook until I was like 55. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, those, those skills, those homemaking skills, I mean, it's so wonderful to be home and to be worshiping while you're doing the laundry and folding, the, you know, the towels and, and just doing the dishes. And I love it. It's you worship in the middle of the muddle, you know. But but um, you do have to prepare for both. And I think the way you balance it, as I was praying about this question, it occurred to me that it's really, it comes down to trusting God because our times are in his hands. It says so in Psalm 31, my times are in your hands. But the answer to the question is in the verse before it when it says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord, you are my God, my times are in your hands. So our days are numbered. We know that. Even in Job, it says, since our days are determined, the number of our months is with you and our limits you have made. So God has control over every issue of in our life. He has predetermined work for you to do before you were you to know, before you were you, <laughs> before the foundation of the world. He's totally worthy to be trusted. So the question I have to ask in in answer to the question is, can you trust him with your future? Do you know him well enough to trust him? You see, Psalm 56.3 is very instructive because it says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, right? That's all good because when we're we're women, we're afraid of everything. (laughs) When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. But again, the next line is even more better because it says... I will trust in you and not be afraid. Whoa, that's a game changer. But you have to know him so intimately 
to be in that place so that you can not be afraid because you're trusting him. I mean, that's so amazing. I love that nursery school song that says, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. I mean, that sums it all up. It's simple. I love that it's simple. And as I said, I came to the Lord late, you know, in my life. And I just loved hearing this design for women. So my prayer of when I first heard the woman who was discipling me asked me, well, now, Logan, do you desire to be married? And I, you know, come with all this baggage of this divorce and broken home and the fear and blah, blah, blah. And I said, hmm, yeah, I guess so. And so she said, well, I'll take that as a yes. And so she started to pray for me. And so she instructed me. She said, you pray to the Lord. And this is what I prayed. I said, Lord, since you created the heavens and the earth, if you want me to be married, I don't think you're going to have a problem with it. I think you're going to be able to pull this off with no problem at all. So I'm going to trust you. And that was just childlike faith. Because we think that getting married is going to be like impossible, especially in this day and age. You know, ah, men aren't even ready to, to support a family. You know, they, they come out with a BA degree from colleges and think they can be a boss. No, you really can't. You're going to actually have to get, you know, like experience. <laughs> so it's a so strange world. So against all human odds, and I say that because my uncle used to say, you know, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than getting married at 40. You know that, don't you? Well, he was at the wedding and he saw me get married <laughs> at 40. But to answer the balanced question, you're basically, you're waiting to be married. Because that is the desire of your heart. And that's not wrong. It's, it's a godly desire. But you have to trust God. And that sounds easy. Trust God. Trust God. Yes, but how? How? And you do it because you can't trust anybody you don't know. So if you don't know him well enough, you can't trust him. That's why women are so afraid. But how do you get to know him? Through worship. When you worship him, that's how you get to know him so intimately. And then when you know him, you're going to trust him. I mean, it's quite a process and it takes time. And while you're waiting to be married and pursuing a career because you don't have anything else to do while you're waiting to be married, you know what I mean? You're waiting and waiting and waiting. You've got time. So learn to worship and draw near to God. And it says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's a stunning promise. That's a promise. So you draw near to him through worship and you do that slowly meditating and memorizing and just taking a sentence at a time. You know, don't rush through. I have to read the Bible this year. Take two years. <laughs> you know, it's okay. But my answer is try you to, to balance. How you balance it, you've got to trust him and you can't trust him until you know him and you won't know him until you worship. That's so helpful. Thank you, Logan. My mom told me it's like having a file folder in your brain with God on it, with on the title, but nothing in it. If you don't know anything about God, you can't trust Him. You don't know Him. I think, too, studying the attributes of God are really going to be good in that, knowing all the dis different aspects of His character and who He is, and lots of books on on just the attributes of God. I think Knowing God by Packer is, is probably one of the most well-known. Uh, knowledge, knowledge of the Holy is another one. Thank you for bringing it back to that. 
So an- another question is, in the church, there is a lot of emphasis put on men and their work, but not very much for women, or at least there's not a clear distinction made there. So how do you think a Christian woman should biblically view her work as a single woman, and you are more likely to be full-time working in the career uh, world as a mom. That's probably a different type of work. You're in the home raising children. Yeah, I'm more thinking of single woman in the career world. You know, again, you're dealing with a society that hates the family and hates marriage. And I mean, it's just such a hard, hard time in our world, yet it's a wonderful time because I know the Lord is coming probably tonight. I mean, it's so real to me that he is coming so soon. And please come, Lord Jesus. But my husband was telling me this uh, story about an article he read about this woman who was accepting an award, you know, some you know uh, award show. And she was standing up there and she literally said these words. I wrote them down. I am thankful for reproductive rights so I could have an abortion and follow my dreams. And I'm like, that is horrifying. And she said it out loud. I mean, in past generations, it surely was happening, but no one would ever say it. So that's where you are. I mean, that's right out of Jeremiah, where the women are sacrificing, the people are sacrificing their sons and daughters to Molech. They're causing them to go through the fire. They even had drums playing so loud so they they would drown out the screams of the children. And this is what this woman was doing and what many, many, many women do because their career is so important. I mean, their dreams to follow their dreams is paramount. And so the question, how does a woman, Christian woman view her work is just so good because First, no matter what kind of work it is, you know, you have to do it heartily to the Lord. And you know that until you get married, unless you're independently wealthy or you're left a whole lot of money, (laughs) you're going to have to work or you're not going to be able to eat. So you want to do it heartily unto the Lord, whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether I'm now folding the laundry, what's that? (laughs) But I'm doing it heartily to the Lord and singing hymns and psalms in my heart and going over scripture memory. But Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So no matter what kind of work you're in, you do it heartily to the Lord. And second, I think your workplace is your mission field. Of course. What an incredible opportunity. You know, I got to work from home for a while, which was really wonderful. I mean, you're still working and you can't really do other things in the house because you're still working, but it was really kind of fun to be working at home. But I noticed that when I was home, I didn't have anybody to witness to, (laughs) except when I was at the office, you know, you have this whole mission field. You know, I know we live in a society where you can literally lose your job if you do that, but Jesus said, I love what Jesus said when he sent out his disciples. He said, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. I would say, you know, simply get to know your workmates and ask them how you can pray for them. When you say that those words to an unbeliever, it literally shatters their life because I know someone said it to me as an unbeliever. And I was, I mean, I look, I collapsed inside. 
it, just the word pray, prayer. Somebody wanted to pray for me. I mean, my whole, I just collapsed inside. And for you as a working person to reach out to somebody, and I used to do that at Dick Clark when I was working there and I had come to know the Lord there when I was working. And I remember Dick and his wife, Carrie, they didn't know what happened because all of a sudden I became nice and, you know, kind. And I wasn't nice. You know? <laughs> and they ran out and bought me a cross, a beautiful cross, because they knew, they said, we knew something happened to you and we just wanted to celebrate it with you. It was so sweet. But I would ask people to pray. I said, can I pray for you? And I didn't pray then, there. I would go and pray. But it starts to build this relationship. And then when things go wrong, they come to you because you're different than anybody else. So it's really kind of an incredible thing. I miss having that kind of mission field. And I remember my friend Dolores Michelson and I went over to the mall when, you know, you could actually go places before COVID, you know. We went over to the mall and hung out in the mall and shared the gospel with people. We just, you know, walked up <laughs> because I was running out of people to share with. Because all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, I've been a believer so long. All I'm surrounded by is Christians. So that's one of the reasons I like also working with kids because there are believers, a lot of them, you know what I mean? So anyway, so work is unto the Lord and, and start praying for your workmates. And I bet, I bet when you do that, you're just going to be stunned when you get to the Bema. When you get to the Bema and the Lord rewards you for what he did through you, through all of those prayers and your heart attitude in your worshipful work, you're just going to be blown away. And you think you're not doing anything, but it's really making it worthwhile to go to work. That's an eternal perspective on work that we all should have. Yeah, it makes it easier and joyful. Uh-huh. And I, I love how you said, do your work as unto the Lord. And that's going to take your eyes off of everybody else and trying to please man, whatever you're stumbling is it's going to yeah refocus you. And I remember the Lord hit, hit that home for me when I was in college and I was assigned to clean the college bathrooms full time. <laughs> and I hadn't I had just signed up for a work study program because they took some off your tuition. So I didn't know what I was getting into until I got there that semester. Boy, but that was a good lesson to learn then of you know what, whatever it is, if I do it with the right attitude, that's what matters to the Lord. Yeah. And then when you actually start praying for that person who's not working as hard as you, you're going to have a whole different take on them. Yeah. Looking at people with compassion and wanting to see them grow and succeed and not be critical of them. This might seem like a funny question, but it does come up um, once again when I'm discussing these types of topics with my friends is how do you pursue your career and want to do well without worrying about surpassing the men, the Christian men in your life who you want to look at as potential mates, but you're worried about, will you intimidate them if you make more money or if you have a better job? Is that going to hurt your chances of getting married? So do you have anything to share along those lines? Yeah, I was really praying through this because um, my husband was pastoring an older singles group for quite some, like 13 years or so. I mean, 40s and up, you know, people have been through a lot in their life, you know, really beat up and just they're 
precious, precious people. And the, we saw that a lot because the longer you're single, that is more likely to happen. And you have to like really face that because you don't want to hold yourself back either because you don't know what's around the corner of your life. You don't know if you're going to be a, a wife and a mother and then all of a sudden have to do nails to feed your children because your husband, you don't know. You just don't know. The thing is, whether they were teachers or nurses or executives, they were really successful in that ministry. We had many women that were very successful. And I think of this one woman, she was an engineer. And then we looked at the guys and we went, they aren't those things, you know? So here's the thing. God has given each of us certain abilities and talents. And if while you're waiting to be married, you find yourself becoming very successful in whatever you're doing, it's because God has blessed you and you don't want to stop that. Then it all becomes about your heart attitude. So it's not necessarily about what you're doing, but how you're doing it. It comes back to that. Are you humbly working unto the Lord? Are you following in Christ's steps who humbled himself and did not consider equality with God something to be grasped? He considered others more important than himself, but are you getting too, too attached to your position? Are you getting too enamored with your power? You see, are you clutching onto the power? See, he had power and he didn't consider equality with God something to be clutched or grasped. He let it go. Or do you hold all of it lightly? with unclenched, unclenched fists. And here's the question. Is your position in Christ as a beloved one of the Lord, is that what is dominating your life? Is that what's dominating your life and your love and your affections? Is the glory of Jesus shining out of you or is the glory of your own power and position in your job the most important thing? Are you focused on humbly serving the Lord in your work so that when people actually find out what you're doing, they're shocked? I didn't know you were a brain surgeon. I didn't know you were this engineer that built the waterworks of Los Angeles. You know what I mean? I didn't know that because you're so humble and they would never have guessed that you were at all powerful. So you can't be enamored with your power. You have to choose what, how Christ did it, being in Christ. So it all comes back to abiding in Christ, following in his gentle and lowly self. That's how he described himself. The words he used, I'm gentle and lowly. That's who he is. And in Psalm 138, it says, though he is exalted, he regards the lowly. What an incredible thing to follow. So, but if you really think you're something and are really great for having such a successful career and you let your pride get the best of you, you're not going to be attracted to anyone, first of all, let alone a godly man who is looking for a humble, godly wife. So no matter what you're doing, if you're doing brain surgery, you know, if you're, you know, if you're what Dr. Carson, you would never know Ben Carson, I know he's a man, but he's very humble. You would never know that he like, put two Siamese twins who were connected at the head and, you know, disconnected them and successively gave them two brains. You know, he's just humble. Do you know what I mean? And so we as women, no matter what we're doing, have to have that humility. And yes, the longer you remain single, chances are you will very likely be successful in your work. We've seen it over and over and over. 
but it's all about your heart attitude and we need to follow in his gentle and lowly steps. So, you know, through praying through that question, that that's kind of what I came up with. Oh, that's so beautiful, Logan. And, and we have all seen the people that do put their career and everything is um, on their sleeve, so to speak. And they're, they're very much, they want everyone to be aware of their accomplishments and such a good reminder to have the Lord be our identity and not, not be flaunting because really, I mean, it's all the Lord's anyway. He's the one who gifted us. I mean, what right do we have to boast of anything? So whatever giftings we may have, we're stewards of it, borrowing it as a, in a sense from the Lord, and we will give an account for how we used it. Yeah, and at the Bema, you're going to be rewarded for what He did with what He gave you. Come on, that's incredible. So what did I have to do? Just be faithful to follow in His gentle and lowly steps. So He's going to work through you, and then He's going to reward you for what He did. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's wild and stunning. Amazing. And so good of God to give us rewards like that. We don't deserve any rewards. We we are just thankful to be a, a doorman in the kingdom, you know, so to speak. But how the Lord gives us rewards for the the things that He's let us have and, and the goodness that He's put in our lives. So thank you. That was very helpful how you answered that. Okay, so let's say that, you know, the longer that someone remains single, how do they start planning for the long term? Should a woman just pretend or not pretend, but just in her mindset be thinking that she is always going to remain single and so be planning with her investments and 401k and, you know, different different uh, ways she's setting up for her future? Is she thinking that way or should she be more, I guess, short-sighted in her planning financially and career? I think the first thing that came to my mind was to be wise, to walk humbly before the Lord, yes, but be wise. Solomon was given much wisdom, and with that wisdom came wealth. Proverbs 8 talks about this. It says, riches and honor are with me, talking about wisdom. And basically, if you have wisdom, you're going to probably have wealth because they go hand in hand. We see it in the scripture. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that's evil. In First Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And you know that if you go after money for money's sake, it's just pathetic. I remember from our singles ministry, we have one precious woman. I mean, she desires to be married. She came from a very, very hard, abusive background. And she just is so precious. She's approaching 50. She still wants to be married. She would love to be married. She's so talented. And praise the Lord, God has given her much wisdom because she has been so wise with her money. She has an executive position job. You would never know it because she's humble. You know, you would never know what she does. You would be stunned. But she's been so wise with her investments, not just her 401ks, but she owns property. I mean, she is wise and God has blessed her with wealth. Will she be married? I don't know. 
<laughs> she doesn't know either. Do you know what I mean? But God has blessed her. And I think it's important for women because you don't know what's around the corner of your life. You don't know if you're going to end up being a single mom like my mom did. She didn't have any skills at all and had to find some. She came from a bunch of musicians. We're worthless. But man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. So you don't know if you're going to be married or not, but you've got to plan. And you've got to be wise and get help if you don't have that wisdom and pray for it. You know, pray for the wisdom and get help with somebody who does, you know, know a lot about investments and, and, and 401ks and stuff. I mean, that's just very wise to do. And then when you do get married, you're going to hand your husband a lovely dowry. Yeah. It's a, I, it's a win-win situation. I feel like you'll shoot yourself in the foot if you're not wise now and planning for the future. I'm sure that's not going to look very appealing as far as your character to a future spouse. If you're being flippant with your money, I feel like that shows a great sign of self-discipline and character if you can save and invest and be wise in that way. Yeah, and you look at that Proverbs 31 woman, you know, who was married, but still she was she was a businesswoman. I mean, she was buying the fields and she, you know, the cottage industries. I mean, she, you know, she was a very wise woman. It's important to do that. And if you don't have it in you, you know, get some help. I'm glad you brought up Proverbs 31 because I had some of the verses pulled up here on my sheet that I wanted to quickly read if I could. She's, you know, held up as the example in scripture of what we should be and uh, pursuing. So Proverbs 31, uh, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She brings her goods from afar you know, she is just very industrious. And all of these things are related to money or many of them and to business savvy. You mentioned she buys this field. She plants a vineyard. I mean, she's contributing. She's doing everything she can. And she's doing it all for the glory of God. A woman who fears the Lord, she should be praised. And she's doing it. You got to bless her family too. And it is a huge blessing. And Okay, I think my last bonus question was just how do you balance keeping up hope of being married with also striving for contentment in a life of long-term singleness? So you married when you were 40. Yeah, great question. And it was a shock at 40, let me tell you. It was a shock. I said, are you going to be here all the time? But, you know, I memorized a lot of scripture. I really was like, really went into some kind of a shock because it really, I just, you know, my father left when I was nine. So I was not used to the whole idea. And and I was a really relatively new believer. So I memorized a lot of scripture. I memorized three books of the Bible in about seven months. I memorized James first. I memorized Philippians and I memorized first Peter or Colossians. I can't remember now. But and when I, after I did that, I worked so hard at it because I was just a mess. And then after I did that, I just picked my head up and I went, oh, everything's just fine. Everything's just fine. It's like God almost healed me of all the fears that I had, you know, and all the trauma of my past. And just, we've just had a wonderful marriage. It's been 25 years coming up on 25 years. And that's amazing because I, you know, don't know where those years went. It just happened in an instant. But what I would say, you know, against this fallen world filled with busyness. I mean, everybody's so busy and the noise and the dissension and the hatred and the anger that we now see everywhere. 
and you can see it at the grocery store. I mean, and it's fueled by social media and no one can live without their phone. I mean, you know, it's a horrible backdrop, right? But you have to build into your life an unhurried quiet, an unhurried quiet. You have to give your soul the quiet and the time to be enraptured by his glory, to gaze upon his beauty and to be stunned daily by his mercy that forgives and restores and reinstates us. And it happens over time, over time, over time. It's slow and your love for him will grow and your desire to obey will deepen. And you will just all of a sudden you'll be abiding and you'll be just so close. He'll be in your every thought, every move. You just can't even get very far into his sin until you repent. And this gentle Savior will bless your life with peace and joy. And he will hold your hand every moment of every day. And then he's going to carry you through the darkest storms. And then he, all of a sudden, he becomes your all in all. But you have to fight for this time. You have to fight against the world and you have to fight against society and the noise and the anger. But it's a good fight because Paul tells us it's a good fight. He fought the good fight. But you have to fight to win. You want to win. You don't want to come in second. Go for the gold. We live, you know, life can be lonely too at times. Like look at this year, this year 2020, this COVID year. I mean, how horrible that people got locked away, the single people got locked away to shelter in place and they're alone for months and months and months. And this has been going on for months. I mean, it's cruel. It's cruel to do. We were designed by God to, for each other and for fellowship and for relationships. But even in that isolation, Jesus can fill your loneliness with his beautiful self and his sweet companionship. But you've got to do it by building into your life an unhurried quiet. And it goes against everything in our world. And I would say that's how you do it. That's how you balance your life. And then the glory of God just shines out of you. And all of a sudden you're gentle and lowly and humble and you didn't even know it. It takes real surgery sometimes to just cut out those time wasters. If, if you have to delete Instagram or Facebook, whatever it takes to get those hours into your day that you need to abide. I've been so convicted of this even this week in my own life as I can see how much time I put towards these mind-numbing activities and how little time I seem to have for devotion. And like you said, it does take time. It takes time to go deep into a commentary and to learn about a passage and to understand the words. And and it's slow and it can be tedious, but that's how you learn about the Lord. And He's designed growth to happen that way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, 30 years will be gone and you'll go, wow, I love you more, Lord. I trust you more. Oh, what happened? How did that happen? You don't even know because you've just been doing it in these unhurried, quiet moments and times in your life. And you just build that into your life. But it's hard work. Such a good practice to start now because... If you do get married and have children or whatever the Lord brings into your path, you know, it's going to get very busy. So you better learn to abide now when you have time. 
Yeah. And then you can just carry that into your life because you're going to be just doing one sentence at a time by then, you know, when you're married and have kids and, you know, you can't even do anything alone. And so you, you, you know, you're down to one sentence, but always oh, the eternal infinite word. Those one sentences are fabulous and you can get so much out of them. Now, meditating, the old fashioned word meditating, you know, takes time. The Puritans were big fans of that. I actually have a book here called uh, God's Battle Plan for the Mind. There it is. There, Yep. And it's all on uh, the practice, uh, Puritan practice of biblical meditation. And it's been wonderful and insightful. And that's what I do. I mean, I go through things really slowly. You know, I remember taking a year just to go through the Gospel of John, just one sentence at a time and meditating on it and writing about it and praying through it, you know, and and then my husband always makes me, I, can, I can't go to the commentaries until I've done the work myself. So he says, I want you to do the work yourself, and then you can go check and see if you're right. Hey, that's wonderful. My mom used to do that. She would get all, all of her concordances out, Strong's Concordance, and she would do these in-depth studies, handwrite everything out. Yeah, there's a lot. there's a lot to get that way. And then you can go check it. And it and you feel like you're on a treasure hunt too because you're you're doing the work and you're doing the digging and so you find those nuggets of truth that are just so special. Well, imagine that God, who created the universe, is allowing you to learn about Him, and He's revealing Himself to you. And you know, and I'm thinking, I'm nobody. That's amazing. What a privilege! And we should really treat it like that and give it the time and respect that the Lord deserves. And it's mind-boggling to think that we could do anything else with our time other than worship and abide in Christ. And, you know, and I, I look at my um, dog pictures on Instagram, too. So, you know, I'm, I I don't do much, but I do look at the dog pictures, and I just go, I love them. I, do, I, I go, what am I doing? Oh, uh, I wish our listeners could see that your dog's walking around in the back. You have, how many dogs do you have? <laughs> I have four. four. We have four right now. Oh. And they've been so good. They've been so quiet. Yeah. I didn't even hear the, the click of their nails on the, the wood floor there. <laughs> so if I'm going to throw out one last question. If you don't have anything to say on it, that's fine. I know this is another surprise question. But if you could say one last thing to single women in particular, that's really the thrust of this podcast and the audience is single ladies. Um do you have any last encouragement or words that you want to share? Well, just, I mean, I guess I've said, I've said what I wanted to say in the sense of just love him, love him, make him be your all in all and live that gentle and lowly life. And you will just radiate his glory. It'll come right out of you. You won't even know you. People will see it. You'll be so different and just enjoy him and enjoy how he reveals himself all around you. Don't miss anything. But if you don't pray, you'll miss it. You know, so you've got to be having that worshipful prayer life so that you don't miss what he's revealing. And believe me, the world is so horrible. You think, how can he be revealing anything? But he does every minute of every day. And sometimes it's very small, but you'll miss it. Don't want them to miss it. So that's all I would say. Wise words. Thank you so much, Logan, for putting so much uh, thought into answering these questions. And I know it's going to be 
very insightful and helpful for the ladies listening. Uh, These are topics that I think a lot of us think about, but sometimes don't always ask to get wisdom on. So I hope it's helpful for those. And I know it was for me and it was a real encouragement. So thank you so much. 